project is due today. This final test will show how you can work as a team to serve our community. In the pool! Rich, you're doing CPR. And... Not gonna happen. But it's our final test. I'll drown you. <laughs> Last night I had back to back, I had sitting on the dock of the bay, one of my favorite songs in the whole world. All the boomers up here were rocking out to that song. And then Jody whistles, and then I get the synchronized swimming. And I was just totally thrown off to start this message. Oh, that's good stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I said, I've got to give the staff, those staff that did those videos, I've got to give them some kind of reward for me being looking so goofy. <laughs> I'm going to figure that one out. Well, I'm glad our L.A. trip is back. They went to the Dream Center and did some incredible work out there. And uh, if you were on the team, would you stand, please? Buddy and Joe, I know, give them a hand. They were representing Salem Fields. Out in the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California. They made it back yesterday, and we're really grateful for that. Well, you and I were created to be connected. We were created to be connected with God, with each other, and with the universe. Now, uh, Simon and Garfunkel wrote a song that uh, said, I am a rock, I'm an island. And it said, and one of the lines, a couple of lines go, Safe within my room, no, hiding in my room, I'm safe within my tomb. I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock, I am an island. That is the complete opposite of God's design and rhythm for our life. We were designed for community. Watch this. Hanging around in the rain, playing the same little game. To get to see you looking around as if I had something I had to try. When all I want to do is see you, I'll say it was chance and ask you to dance. Start our romance And after all I've been through Just to get close to you I know that you will love me too healthy connections and there are very unhealthy connections and God's rhythm and order teaches us how to have healthy connections so humanity can thrive so we can have the abundant life so we can live now in this series lifeguards we've had a key verse did anyone memorize it I did guard your heart say it with me guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Now that's pretty big, isn't it? The direction that your life is gonna take is determined by what goes on in your heart. That's pretty big. So God says, guard your heart because it's gonna determine where your life goes. And all you have to do is watch somebody's life and you can see whether or not they're in the rhythm and the order of God's design. Now, we looked at this, these concentric circles, and we started out with this and said, this is the way God's rhythm and design and order operates. When I drop that stone, when God is at the very center, the very core of my heart, 
then it's going to create a healthy family. And when it's at the core of the heart of our family, it's going to create a healthy church. People are going to understand, I've got to be connected to the body of Christ. And when churches are healthy, it spills out into our communities and it impacts our communities in the name of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, humanity thrives and humanity is healthy. But our world doesn't seem very healthy right now, does it? I mean, I know that we're tainted by what we see in the news because they only show us all the bad stuff because there are thousands of people out there that are wonderful and very quiet and doing some good and healthy things and living a life for God. There's the silent majority. But nevertheless, what we get influenced by is that our world is not very healthy. And more than ever, what our world needs are hope-filled people that'll spill out into our communities and make a difference in the name of Jesus Christ. Speaking of God's creation, (laughs) he, he created this world for us and he entrusted it to us. How about the attention that it got last Monday? Did anybody do a little eclipse viewing party? Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, people, it was amazing. Tens of thousands of people came together all over the U.S. I don't know if you noticed it or not. I don't know if you were part of it or not. Maybe you weren't. But there was an eclipse last Monday. And all the way from Oregon to, to South Carolina, people came together And you know what happened? We were community. We had a common purpose. Now, here at Salem Fields, we were not to be outdone. There was a very small staff here. There are a lot of people who were gone on vacation out in L.A. And we had this little spontaneous come together, our own little eclipse viewing party. We didn't plan it. And the problem was I didn't have any glasses. And it's very hard for me to see to have this natural phenomenon and not say, I gotta see that thing. So Colin, our resident in- inventor, now he didn't invent this, but he came carrying out a couple of boxes, and there he is, and he says, I think I can get us, I think we can see this. Because in elementary school, I made one of these things. So he started putting this thing together, and I'm thinking, oh yay, I'm gonna get to see the eclipse. But out on the deck, God provided. There was a family there, a man and his wife and his two children, and he had stood in line for two and a half hours at the library, and he got two pair of glasses. And I said, oh, and he said, of course I'm going to share these glasses with you. So we were out on the deck, and we got to look up and take those glasses, and then Olay brought us out some mango smoothies that Kelly said tasted like cream corn, but nevertheless. (laughs) And once he got that in our minds, it was like, well, yeah, I think it does taste like cream. But we had our own little viewing uh, of of the eclipse, and we got to see it up there, and it was amazing. And then we looked, yeah, uh, Colin's little box thing did work. It was kind of like this tiny little thing that you look through a pinhole, and we saw it in there. We saw it in there, but we actually got to see that phenomenon, and it was, it was amazing. But you know what the best part was for me? Um, I didn't have to get in a car and ride 20 hours <laughs> after two minutes of God showing off for me. We just went back to work. But you know what awed me? What awed me about that was that for 90 minutes, as that shadow cast over the United States, people came together with a common purpose. And what was that? To look up and to see an incredible phenomenon. Whether or not they they said it was, it was God's rhythm and order right there in the sky, right there at its very best. On the way home, I had my talk radio on and Hank Hanegraaff came on and he said, you know what, there'll be a lot of false prophets that'll try to tell you that the eclipse has some kind of apocalyptic meaning. He said, don't listen to that. That's not what it is. Eclipses happen all the time, 
we just don't see them. This is not about God's judgment or the end of the world. This is not about that. Don't listen to that. He said, it's just like Jeremiah. I'm, in, I'm reading Jeremiah every morning right now. And Jeremiah was a prophet. And he said to the people, they lead people away with reckless lies. Be very careful what you listen to. No, what this eclipse was, this event pointed to one thing and one thing only. The majestic beyond genius designer and creator, God. That's what we're to proclaim here. The fine tuning with which this happens can have no other explanation than an eternal, powerful, intelligent, personal mind we call God, Jehovah. Now, a lot of people will refute that, Bill Nye, the science guy, what a cute little man. But do you know what he says? He says that it's a, we're all just a mere insignificant speck of soil adrift in the universe, and everything is just simply happening by chance. Now, we here this morning, most of us probably would say, oh, that's not true. There are lots and lots of people that believe that. The problem with that is that anything that happens by chance inhibits life. It doesn't sustain life. Chance does not sustain life. Think about this. The precision of a sun 400 times the size and 400 times further away from the moon being positioned such to be perfectly eclipsed by it. A moon so perfect in size and distance from the earth that it stabilizes the rotation so we are facilitated and our life is facilitated. Any closer to the sun, we'd fry. Any further away from the sun, we would freeze. The ocean tides in perfect rhythm with just the right amount of gravitational pull by the moon. If the moon was any larger, the gravitational pull would cause huge tidal waves and we would be destroyed. If the moon were any smaller, then life as we know it would stagnate and cease. Everything is in perfect order. Everything is in perfect rhythm. You know, to say that this is not, we don't have a creator. Handel's Messiah and Da Vinci's Last Supper did not simply form without a creator. The temperatures, the tides, everything becomes a testimony to a creator. And we can say with David, like he wrote in the Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. That is what we as believers need to be claim, proclaiming today. And why do I get into all that in this message about community? Well, because the working of the universe shows how God creates with rhythm and order and purpose, and he creates the exact same for our lives. We are his crown jewels. He created the universe, but he created us as well with a balance and a rhythm. And this is the balance and the rhythm and design of relationship and connection that he has designed for us. Anything that disrupts this is gonna throw us into chaos. Maybe that's what we're seeing in our world today because there is a perfect design and order and balance for our connections. And we as humanity get so far away from placing those lifeguards and putting them in place so that we can have the abundant life, so we can have the freedom, and so that we can flow. You see, that's God's design. Because uh, with, with him at the very core of who we are, it'll produce life. It'll produce healthy family. It'll produce a healthy me and then a healthy family and then a healthy church. And that will spill out into our communities naturally. We won't be able to contain it when that's happening in our heart. And when we're in the rhythm and the balance 
that God has given us. He's our oxygen. He's our connection. He's our lifeblood. He's our rhythm and our order. And he gives life at its best. Why do people not want to get into that rhythm and flow? Because we want to go our own way. We want to be at the center. We don't want to be vulnerable and hand our lives over to a creator. In fact, we want to just kind of wipe out the creator altogether. Because we don't want to look stupid in front of other people to be vulnerable and maybe say, God, I need help. No. We want to be at the very core. And when we place ourselves at the very core, everything is thrown into chaos because it goes out of the balance of God's rhythm and nature. And along with this, there's a warning. Remember that sign? There's a warning. When we stray from his design and his rhythm, when it's disrupted, it not only throws our world into chaos, it throws us into chaos, and it impacts our families, and it impacts our church, and it impacts our communities. And chaos happens. And then we look at our world and we say, what's going on? Well, that's what's going on. That's why we're thrown into chaos. What our world needs more than ever is for people that will be hope-filled with the light of Jesus that will spill out into the communities and not tell anybody else what they need to do, but be living that ourselves. So we're going to pick up where Kelly left off last week, and he talked about the dual purpose of the church there's a welcoming door, and it's a beautiful thing to watch on, a, on the mornings, the greeters that are welcoming people. And there's a welcoming door that swings inward, and it's supposed to look like this. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional, but grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. And that's what we're to be here inside the open door that swings inward. 22 years ago when Buddy and I came to this church, we were going to quit church. But we knew that God called us to be obedient to a call that he placed on us here. And we said, I said myself, I don't want to be part of a church that isn't like that. That does, a door doesn't swing inward and people are loved and accepted because we needed to heal. We needed to be accepted exactly the way that we were. And I think if I hear anything more than anything when people come to this church, they'll say it's very welcoming, it's friendly, and I can just be myself. That's what God called us to. But it doesn't stop there. This is not about us coming in here and being a holy huddle and everybody coming together and saying, yeah, yeah, I believe in a creator. No, that's not what God's design and rhythm was. 
It was for it to, the door to swing outward as well, that we come in here and we get filled up and we serve and we do the work of the Lord and we learn what the word says and we learn who Jesus is and we see him clear and we come out of the dark in here. But then the door swings outward. The, the, it, it's not completed until we go out and we impact our community. Well, how do we impact our community? So I'm going to give you three lifeguards that will impact our community. First of all, be visible. Be visible in the community. You, Jesus said this. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Oh, that's a good thing. However, do it to glorify your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus is telling his listeners on the Sermon on the Mount here to be what he was. What an honor that God calls us, that Jesus calls us to be what he is. And what was he? What is he? He's a light. He was a light. He would walk out into the world and he took light into the world. How do we do that? Well, we watch him. We model him. We allow his word to penetrate us and, and to change us and to transform our heart because transformation causes us to glow in the dark naturally. We cannot conjure that up. We can't come in here and say, ooh, I gotta be, I gotta be more like Jesus and, and so I can go out into the world and I can be. No, the only way that's gonna happen inside of you is to allow your heart to be transformed and for Jesus to live inside of you and the Holy Spirit to guide you so that when you go out in your everyday work-a-day world, you don't have to be out there thumping people over the head with the Bible or even witnessing to them. Wherever you go, the light of Jesus goes. You can't conjure that up. You can't hope for that. You can't just try and work hard and be that. That has to come from a transformation of knowing Jesus and knowing his word and allowing that double-edged sword to change you so that when you go out there and you have your radar up, there will be moments where people will ask you what's going on in your life and you'll be able to say, well, I'll tell you what. I was an angry person and God is just changing me and now I can't help but just thank him. And you will be a light. Jesus said we need to be visible in our world because you see when light comes on, perspective changes. We see things that we didn't see before. We respond differently to that. Our motives become pure, and we do good things for the right reasons, not to feel like a good person. Do you know how many people are doing good things just so they can feel like a good person? That means nothing. If we're not doing what we do in the name of Jesus Christ, we're only doing it for something that's going to end. We don't do those things to feel like a good person or to get accolades from others. When the presence of Christ lives within a human heart, a radiance is reflected. It creeped me out one time. I was in a counseling session with a young woman, and she looked at me, and she said, I see an aura around you. <laughs> I didn't like that word. <laughs> but, you know, uh, what I believe she was seeing was Jesus in me. There would be no greater compliment than if some, someone sees Jesus in me. And I can't do that. I can't conjure it up. It has to be natural without me even thinking about what's going on because I have allowed God to transform my heart so that in my family unit, I can be healthy, so that I can create a healthy family so that we can create a healthy church and we can spill out into our community and be hope-filled and take the light of Jesus wherever we go. We don't need a service project or be, to be doing something to show the, the light of Jesus. But listen, we can be visible. We can even do good things. We can even change the world 
But if it doesn't, if we're not doing it in the name of Jesus as believers, in his rhythm and his order, you'll only come up empty. Well, we did our uh, another grandchild uh, vacation, and Gracie, we took Gracie a couple weeks ago. She chose New Orleans. And I said, okay, hot in August in New Orleans, but the girl would not give up on it. She wanted to go there. She wanted to go to Monroe and see Duck Dynasty, which we did. We went to the little town. This is Gracie. And I said, hey, on the way down, why don't we just stop in Memphis and go to Graceland? Because I knew Gracie liked Elvis. We're more Beatles kind of people. Uh, Elvis was never one of my uh, favorites, but my brother, I lived with Elvis, actually. My oldest brother looked exactly like Elvis, and I loved him, and I'd look at him, and my brother listened to Elvis, and he even combed his hair like that, and he had that lip, and he talked like Elvis, and it was like, oh, I love you, my brother. <laughs> but he loved Elvis, and so that's as close as I got to him. And uh, so we decided to take a, a stopover in Graceland in Memphis. We flew there, and we drove down to New Orleans. And uh, I'd never, Graceland was never on my bucket list. It was not that big of a deal to me. Uh, but we decided to do it. And uh, so we went to the place, and we got this iPad. They give everybody, give everybody an iPad, and so you're, you're kind of walking around like this, you know. And we got our headphones. And uh, we got on the shuttle. We went and uh, stood Welcome right there. to my world. <laughs> Won't you come on in? <laughs> we got a little timing thing, rhythm. Um, but <laughs> we were standing there, and uh, each one of us had our headphones on, and uh, that song came on. Now, now, play it again. Welcome to my world. Won't you come on in? And it was so funny because each one of us, Gracie and Buddy and I, heard that song at a different time, and you could just see us tear up. Each one, and it really kind of touched my heart. And it was just so sweet. And, each, and, and I saw Buddy get tears, and then I saw Gracie get tears. And we walked into Graceland, and you could tell that Elvis had been there. And Elvis, we saw, said that he always couldn't wait to be there. He just couldn't wait to be home because it was his safe place. He just wanted to be there. And as we walked through, we, we listened to Elvis speak and talk and tell us about the rooms. And we listened to him sing. And, and you know what? In the midst of all those nice things, in the midst of what we saw as the family life that he had, and all the world acclaim. It was almost haunting because you could just hear that something was missing with Elvis. Now, Elvis was a twin. Did you know that? His mother didn't know she was going to have twins, and the first baby that was born was stillborn. His name was Jesse. And she was devastated. And she, I think it was like hours later that suddenly she felt pain and she had Elvis. And Elvis came into the world in the midst of that grief and devastation. Now, was, was his disconnection from his twin brother, was that difficult for him? Was it the illness of his mother? Was it a relationship with his father. I know that his father had gone to prison for forgery. It was the depression and that had happened. Well, we didn't know it, but we had stumbled into the 40th anniversary. <laughs> Boy, was that place filled with thousands of people. And uh, there, we, when we went for our, our guide said, Has, is anyone here for the first time? And Gracie and Buddy and I were the only ones that raised our hand because <laughs> everybody comes there multiple times. And on the radio, we turned on, we had serious radio, so we turned on the Elvis channel. And they were having interviews with Priscilla, his wife that he was married to for six years, and with Lisa Marie. And they said, Priscilla said, Elvis was always searching. It was almost like he was tortured. He was always searching. And Lisa Marie, his daughter, said too, she said he had a stack of books by his bed 
And he would read and read and read. And the thing I remember about my dad is that he was always searching. He could just never find what he was searching for. Now, Elvis changed the world. We went into the bookstore. We couldn't believe our eyes. A man came in there. His whole body was tattooed with Elvis. I mean, his legs, it was Elvis at every stage of life. And Gracie and Buddy and I are over there like. <laughs> because Elvis down here was the handsome Elvis, and this was the, the uh, army Elvis. And uh, it, it was incredible. And Gracie goes, I thought I loved Elvis, but I hate him compared to that man. <laughs> It was incredible, but something wasn't at peace. Something wasn't satisfied. There was a rhythm and a flow that Elvis had with his music. But I wonder if he ever was in that ebb and flow and the rhythm that God has designed for every human. Priscilla said that he had no one to understand him. You know, like the Beatles, the four of them were in community because when they had all the stuff that they dealt with, they had three other people that understood what they were going through. But Elvis, he was alone. Nobody understood. He was sad. And in his home, as we walked through, he had a racquetball room. And he would just sit there and he would watch people play racquetball. But the story went that on the other side of this room, let's show the other side of that, was his piano. And he sat down one night and played this. Oh, my love, my darling, I've hungered for. that song and then he went up to his bedroom and then he went to his bathroom and he died his plane was packed for his tour he was all ready to go but his heart was so heavy physically and emotionally that it stopped Elvis changed the world he made a huge impact on community and we can't judge Elvis's soul. But I have to wonder if he ever got in the rhythm and the design and the order of God's connection. There's a rhythm and a flow to that design. Something was missing. Elvis was pretty visible. I don't know of anyone in the world today that people still dress up and have concerts like Elvis. Forty years later, it's phenomenal, the interest and the millions of dollars that are being made off of Elvis. He was visible. But did he make an impact in the rhythm and flow of God's design in the name of Jesus? I wonder. Well, another lifeguard is that in our communities, we're to strive for unity, and strive is a huge word there. Strive for unity in diversity. You see, this is what will set us as Christ followers apart, and it shines God's purpose and rhythm. This is not possible without the Holy Spirit. Not possible. God says this, he says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all, we have arms, legs, head, eye, nose, we've got lots of different parts, but just as a, it's all one body, but all are uh, many parts one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, collectively, coming together as one body, whether we're different, and he lists them, whether we're American or Indian or black or white or whatever, he lists them here, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made of one part, but of many. What, what does this mean? Well, uh, Gracie and 
Jackson and I went on a bike ride the other day, and uh, we rode through Salem Fields, and we, uh, Gracie said, let's go over to the Mosser's house. So we rode over to the Mosser's house, and they weren't home, and their dog attacked us. Just kidding. <laughs> but we took a picture, a selfie of us with their house number to let them know that, that we were there. And as we were riding up, Gracie says, I love Justin and Danny, but they're Dallas fans. <laughs> they're Dallas fans. And, and I looked at her, and I said, it's funny you say that because one of my points in my message this week is unity in diversity. Do you know what that means, Gracie? And she got this cute little smile that I knew, ex she knew exactly what I was talking about because she loves the Mossers. They're different because they're Dallas fans. But you know what? The connection is that we love one another, that we're humans together, that we're people together, and that we find our common bond, and then we celebrate and allow other people to have their differences. And that does not sever or destroy the bond that we have together. And the only way that that is possible in this world, and the reason the world cannot do it is because it takes the Holy Spirit living in us, modeling to us how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three different parts, but they come together and are in perfect unity. We will never understand this, never be able to, unless we allow the Holy Spirit to speak that in our lives. That is the rhythm and the order of God's design. It is no wonder our world is in chaos. Maybe we can understand our world just a little bit better. Give a little bit more grace because we are the ones that are to carry that out into the world and model that and be visible and show the love of God in spite of our differences, in spite of different lifestyles, in spite of different perspectives. How do you respond when people do things differently than you think is right? Different lifestyles, political views, religious beliefs. Do you argue and debate? Do you jump on one side and you argue your point so that other people will believe the way that you believe? Do you look down on others? Do you talk about them behind their back? You know, marriage is the greatest test of finding unity in diversity. Because that person can grate on your last nerve. And our response to that is to be finding what we have in common and celebrating our differences. He calls us collectively to cooperate in his rhythm, to serve together, to love together, to show the world that we can be different yet in harmony. The world doesn't understand what it means to live by the Holy Spirit. Why would we expect them to? It's our responsibility to model that, no matter how we're treated. It's only possible when we reflect the mystery and the rhythm of God, and it's displayed in the three-in-one. He showed us that is the unforced rhythm and the order of God, one more lifeguard. Value the simple, seemingly insignificant. There are a lot of little things that you do or you don't do that influence other people. There are a lot of simple things that you could be or you could do that would influence, that would go, that would ripple out into generations, into history into future generations that you may never live to see. Jesus said this. He said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, Jesus says. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you that you can't bear. I won't do that to you. I love you. But here's what I say to you. Keep company with me. At the very core of your being. That's what you put your eyes on. Not on fixing this or doing that. You put your eyes on Jesus. Walk with me, he says. Keep company with me every day and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And who in this world would not want that? 
You can't conjure that up. You can't work hard and do that. You live with him. You keep your eyes on him. You keep company with him at the very core of your being. And it will impact your family in healthy ways. And that will impact the body of Christ in healthy ways. And that will spill out into our community in ways that people say, what is it that's different about you? Well, let me tell you, I love Jesus. He's been my guide. He's been my friend since I was a child and I would not live without him. I once was this. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. Talked to Buddy one night after they got back from Skid Row, and we talked about how we can just go out into the world and just have our radar up, and just be watching and listening and be ready for whatever. He said they walked through the park, they handed out hot dogs, and he was worn out, and I know Christian was there, and Jody was there, and physically it was very taxing on them. And I know emotionally it's very taxing, and I could hear that in Buddy's voice. And he said, you know, I stopped and I prayed with people. Some people didn't want to be prayed with. They went to Skid Row, and then they went to a park. And, and he, said, he said, and I suddenly realized I'm doing this out here in California and L.A., and I don't even do that in my own community. You know what? Sometimes we miss the very simple. We make it way too hard. We just carry the light out into our community with us. We have our radar up, and we're ready whenever we have that opportunity. We're going to revive our Hope Saturdays, and this will be an opportunity for people to come together and have something in common and go out and spill out into our communities. And sure, do good things, do service projects, but we will go out in the name of of Jesus collectively as a body and make an impact in our world. The second small little simple thing that you can do is take that picture out there. Because social media, you know what that's all about, right? It's a wonderful thing, it's a horrible thing. <coughs> but we can do something that will make a statement, a, uh, just a small statement, and you will never know the impact that you might have on your friends, on people that see you that might say, what was that all about? And all we have to say is, I'm just making a simple statement in our world today that I'm going to choose love. I'm going to choose God's love. And so a simple little family picture or couples or kids or whatever you've already seen them posted, to put that out on social media is our statement at Salem Fields Community Church. We're not going to use the word win. We're not going to use the word hate. We're going to say, you know what? We choose love. We choose love. That's a simple little thing that you just might miss, but could be very, very powerful. And you know what else we can do before we leave here today? We can pray for us, and we can pray for our world. And so what I'd like you to do is listen to the words of this song. Just allow God and the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And after that, I'm going to ask you to come up here and join me and we're going to pray, I will lead us in prayer for ourselves and that we can make an impact in our world in the name of Jesus. Listen to these words.
here and pray with me now. Just get out of your seat. Come on up. We're going to pray for ourselves, and we're going to pray for our world. And Jody, I want you to sing that. I love the words right here. So we pray and humble ourselves. So God, we pray to you. good things. Millions and millions and millions of dollars are being spent to make things better, but not in the name of Jesus. We are called to do all that we do to lift up the name of Jesus. And when at the very core of our heart, he reigns, it'll impact our families in healthy ways, the body of Christ in healthy ways, and we will be in our communities what God has called us to be in the name of Jesus, brought together by the Holy Spirit, the three in one, appreciating and loving the differences and the color that everyone adds with their difference. That's what will separate us. We are a powerful army when we are in the ebb and flow and the rhythm and the order of God. Father, thank you so much for your presence here. Would each of us just right now, if there's anything in your life that you need to confess to God, you can do that right here, right now. You don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor, you don't need anyone. You can go before the Lord vulnerably and say, God, there are things in my heart that I need you to transform. Would you do that? Would you confess that? Because that's when we get into the rhythm and the flow of his design. So Father, we come before you and we confess those things that aren't pleasing to you in our hearts and we lay them at your feet. And God, I pray that because we've done that this morning, that our families will begin to thrive and to have the kind of health 
and the abundant life that you designed for us. And Lord, that this body of Christ would be exactly what you've called us to be, Salem Fields, that we would revive, that we would carry out the vision and the mission that you gave specifically for this place, together, serving together, loving together, connected to this body of Christ. And Father, may we spill out into our communities. And God, right now we ask you to heal our land, but God, we also realize that when we pray that, you are calling us to be the answer in a dark world. Light shines the brightest in darkness. And so God, may we carry the light of Jesus, be a city on a hill, be the light of you, Jesus. May we show the world that we choose God's love. Thank you, Father, for your presence here this morning and what you've done in our hearts. We give you all the glory. We do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Now let's go out onto the playing field. This was just the locker room. See you guys next time. Spirit of God.